the solution. Knowledge itself, the better myself, cause I know myself that we can live much better than this. Nothing's changed, it's just another sequel. The devil's still causing trouble amongst the righteous people. Drugs in our community. That ain't right. Can't even get a job. That ain't right. Poisoning our babies. That ain't right. Lying who is God. That ain't right. Well, I thought many fought for the sport, and the black man still comes up short. It's time to motivate, build and elevate Blind, deaf and dumb, we gotta change their mind state So I dip, dip, diver Civilizer, 85er Gotta let them know the devil's a conniver This is the plan from the brother man From the motherland, now it's time to take a stand I keep striving to do my duty To awake them to the universal family I say assalamu alaikum Yeah Now I'ma do it like this Enough respect to the brother John DJ Enough respect to my brand new being brothers. Brothers. Lord Jamal, God Allah. Derek X is on the flex. Alamo is good to go. Sincere, the God is in here. So move on, black man, move on. We gotta move on, black man, move on. Move on, black man, move on. We gotta move on, black man, move on. Now before I motivate, I would just say like this. Educate our lives, children, with equality. Black man, move on. Move on, black man, move on. You gotta move on, black man, move on. Move on, black man, move on. And I did keep myself muted for most of the song. <laughs> that was I've been the brand new that all weekend. No, Vanessa, let me just, let me stop right here and apologize. I thought about that all weekend. I was like, damn it, if she wants to sing all loud, she should just no. sing all loud, friend. No, <laughs> just no, like, no. that's good. No. They, not not even they just want to, and they want me to sing on mute, though, because they like, we want to sing, too. <laughs> and we don't want to hear your singing over the brand new being singing. So I get it. I have I a hard it, time. Though. Listen, Vanessa, I have a heart. I'm reading this book with my Bible study called Boundaries, When to Say Yes and How to Say No. And I was just like, sometimes I need my own boundaries so I can hear the music. And I'm saying, but when does that infringe upon your boundaries of being joyful? That's what I'm saying. So it's hard as a black woman, like figuring that stuff out. It really is because I don't yeah. want... I don't want to rain on your parade. And I was afraid I made a mistake all weekend. I was like, dang it, Vanessa was just trying to sing. The song Look, when it came it's on. all love. Y'all already know. Even First of all, even if somebody really tells me to shut up, you know if I'm feeling it. It's, oh, have you heard of that social media game where they play? I saw um, Lala and Vanessa Bryant doing it. I don't know if other people have done it. But it's like a DJ, and they were sitting. And the DJ played every great jam you could imagine, but like the hook or like the beat drop. And the, the game is to like not respond. So you're supposed to be like, just like looking at it, and it's like, it, it is like not respond. We need to uh, figure out and play that. Oh, play that game. And shout out to, what was that amazing girl who did the game for our staff and that, that come um that Rashonda brought. Yeah. That was so fun. Yeah. yeah. It was good. It's oh, like black for the culture, but black it's different. Black Academics. Oh, Black Academics. Oh, you're talking about somebody else. We also did a game show on Instagram with somebody. We can give them a shout out tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking uh, of the Black Academics, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Morgan, remember, I told, remember, Ebony was the, Ebony, come, oh, I don't know if she can come off mute. because She um, won. Zoom she won. Yeah. She knew, she she knew all the Ebony, I think <laughs> it was Martin and uh, Tommy 
moms who said they got the Holy Ghost in church. Like it was some random no. like pure fact. It was David Allen Greer. It was David Allen Greer who was the preacher on Martin who was singing that song. That's what she That's got. Right. She didn't okay. get. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But Ebony, what was the name of that other game that you were on on Instagram that, that, that we, um, yeah, culture. Tags. That was culture tags. We played culture tags on IG live. Uh, shout out to black great game creators. That's amazing. Culture tag and black academics. Shout out to two women doing their thing. Thanks, Ebony. Yes. Thank you, Ebony. <laughs> Morgan, I'm pumped because look, I want to give look, first of all, I love shout outs and here's why. This is why this is important. Girl Trick Movement started on shout out. Girl Trick Movement thrives on shout out. Girl Trick Movement is only other black women in the grocery store telling other black women, girl, have you heard of this thing? It's called Girl Trick. And putting it on Facebook and social media and saying it so much ad nauseum that people are like, do you work for Girl Trick? And then they'd be like, no, I just love it so much that I have to tell other people about it. So I feel that way about things that I also like. And I just love to tell people about it. No, I know. I know. That's, that's, uh, that brings me to my next apology. No, we do. We do. Black okay. women need to apologize to black women. Cause here's the thing though, Vanessa, about your life coach and shout out to Lori. And I'm so glad she's in your life. And I also want you to own your own growth. I don't want you to defer to someone else. She is an yeah. absolute powerful black woman who is a resource, but you always mention her when you talk about anything of you growing and you're working hard. And yeah. so I was just, it reminded me not to be too much in your business, but of your relationship, how you always ascribe stuff to Marty. And I was like, no, this is you. This is you growing. This is you fighting. This is you. And so I should have said that, but it felt too personal. So I just tried to make a joke, but then the, the joke didn't land well. So Lori, I'm so sorry. If anybody needs a life coach, she's great. You know what? It's funny. I, like I received that. No, I, I received that. I, I wasn't sad. And also I have a response, but one of my meditations for this week is to um, listen better to understand. And therefore yeah. I just receive what you say without even any response. Back. Just listen better to understand. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I can hear your response offline. I want to hear it though. Yeah. <laughs> it's an actual no, 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 it's an actual thing. Yeah, yeah. You're like so well, like I don't know. So, no, I am. Ninety-seven percent of it is shout outs. Yeah, no, no, no. And you also yeah. just love people. So that's the other part of it. Is like you celebrate. And I others believe that also I. that that's. I believe it in the movement. Actually, that's what I'm saying. Like mm -hmm. I am actually blown away when I go on social media. I can barely use social media at this point, y'all. I'd be like in the fog. When I go, like there, so many women just go so hard. So I'm one of those women. You see what I'm saying? I really am one of those women for other people and things in my life is what it is. And also, um, I am working hard, but I'm my own witch. Look, y'all don't Morgan. So don't worry if I have not told you that I don't know I got my power. Oh, I do know I got it. Like you don't, you all ain't even ready for what's about to be unleashed in the world. I'm not. Um, I'm not ready. But I got my power witch. through real tools. It wasn't by accident. The first tool was Girl Trek. I actually have walked myself to healing by putting one step in front of the other and finding the courage to walk towards things that matter to me and walk away from things that don't matter to me. So it's a real tool. And then there's other tools. And I know sometimes women just feel like, is it magic? And so I'd be trying to be specific also. Like, it's really not magic. Yeah. It's, it's in the details of it and the specifics of it and the daily work of it that the healing happens. So, yeah, yeah. 
That's good. I was, That's good. I have I have one more non Stokely Carmichael thing to say before we get into this. Look, this boot camp has been whooping my ass. It is hard. It's hard. Okay, here's the thing. Here's here's the other balance we got to make. After yesterday's boot camp, a teacher in Detroit by the name of Chris was like, I'm about to start an after-school Black History Boot Camp. Yes. She was like, I'm about to start an after-school Black History Boot Camp Club. And I was like, Lord, I was just evaluating all the stuff I'd have said about my private life for the children. You know, I was thinking about all this stuff. And then I was like, we... I don't think this is appropriate for the children. And when you just cussed, I was like, oh, Lord, I it's need okay. to give Look, us free. It's okay. Give no, us free. No, here's what you need to know. This is why, this, not, speaking of the children, speaking of boot camp, and speaking of Stokely Carmichael, um, I, I have a mentee, you know, Katadra. And look, y'all, we're, well, Laura's been working on our relationship because she's like, I'm a girl woman. I know what I'm doing in this respectful way. So you, you I was Katadra. about to say, Katadra is 32. She, she can hear her. No, she's 25. <laughs> she's here. She's here at the girl's check. I'm, I'm walking at the girl's check office outside the office today. So okay. she came to the office okay. because she's helping me with something. But either way, it's also the, this is, I'm so proud of her. I don't even know if I've told you this. She went from not having, and she, she doesn't care if I tell this because this is a victory story. She didn't have a GED okay. when I met her and she just got accepted to Bowie State. So today is the first day of orientation for Bowie State University. And Morgan, she's playing the um, intro like live while she's uh, while she was helping this morning in the office. And I want to shout them out. It was the most radical student orientation I have ever heard in my life. Yay, some, Bowie State! Some black guy with a fedora is right now yelling at some students, <laughs> and he literally said, "We are not raising you to be properties of the state. We are raising you to own the state." He was like, he was like, black man, you gonna come in every day on Black Man Monday. Women, you gonna come in on every day on Workless Monday. He was like, you ain't no tricks, you ain't no bees. He was like, it was so power, it was radical. And I was like, is that Bowie State? I thought it was T D Jakes, like young T D Jakes or something like that. But I was, I, we are moving in the right direction. We are educating people at every level, and there are so many good people doing the work out there. Yeah, little known Girl Trek fact, when Girl Trek was going to be uh, for girls doing hiking and stuff, we went to Bowie State to, you know, you weren't there, I went to Bowie State and, and all the other HBCUs on the, um, and met with the presidents to see if we could have it on the campus. I, was I remember that, I remember that. <laughs> and since then, Bowie State, helped us launch our, um, Bowie State helped us launch our mental health first aid training. Onika Jervis went there and yeah. we yeah. trained the mental health first aid responders all over the campus, so. Okay, Morgan, y'all get your sneakers on and stretch out. Inhale in and inhale out of your mouth. This is going to be a long walk. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But we have some real fun stuff to talk about, Morgan, because Black Power and Stokely Carmichael and the radical liberation that he was seeking for our people was so inspiring to me as I was getting into the details and oh, by the way complicated so I'm gonna need your assist on a lot of stuff there are a lot of moving parts in this story that I was like dang <laughs> SNCC then we over in the Black Party Black Panther Party then we moved to Africa now we're in Guinea now it's like Kwame and Kwame. I'm like he got a lot so this is exciting everyone <laughs> I hope you're exciting Morgan what day are we on on the boot camp we're 17 day 17 coming strong Kwame Ture, a.k.a. Stokely Carmichael, a.k.a. Leader of SNCC. Let's go. Let's go. Day 17. <laughs> so, Morgan, for those who do not know Stokely Carmichael, 
or for those who maybe just heard his name when it rolled off the tongue of Bill Clinton, which he needs to keep Stokely Carmichael's name out his mouth forever at the funeral of John Lewis. And if you don't know his background, we're going to break it down for you. I also Let's tell the people the real story. But that's the call. After the funeral, after John Lewis's funeral, Bill Clinton got up there to form his mouth to make some kind of criticism. Vanessa called me on the phone. She was like, listen to this. This is why I can't stand Bill Clinton. <laughs> I can't stand Bill Clinton. I never do that. Bill Clinton. Yeah, yeah <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. So that's when we decided article. we was going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to break it down for uh, everybody about Stokely Carmichael. And there's some great resources in the email, y'all, including what must be the best, most hilarious, like, if Black Twitter existed 30 years ago, there's a 25-minute clip called What's in a Name? And it's a panel discussion, Morgan, where it's Kwame Torrey, Stokely Carmichael, two other Black men who think the name should be African-American and some Black woman. And they are having the best, most doofiest, shadiest conversation. <laughs> We're going to play a few clips of it at the end, but the whole thing is in an email, and I would highly recommend everybody watch it. So, Stokely Carmichael, by the way, who everyone described Morgan as tall, lean, beautiful, piercing eyes. I'm just like, I was like, how many people are going to describe this man as good looking and all of the stuff that I'm reading, but I'm going to start there. People described him as really charismatic, as a really profound speaker, and he really, really, and you'll hear, he really had a fire in him. He was an activist, a revolutionary, and he is best known for popularizing the slogan Black Power, which we're going to get into in the movement in a moment, but his politics moved far beyond a Black Power, ultimately, to a bigger, grander vision that would unite the diaspora. So, Morgan, he, and many people don't know, he worked alongside Martin Luther King and a lot of other really great nonviolent leaders, but evolved his thinking. So I want to start at the beginning, though, because I didn't know he was actually from Trinidad. So shout out to all of our Trinidadians out there. He's from Trinidad, and his family moved to New York when he was 11 years old. He attended the Bronx High School of Science, which was mostly white at the time. And he actually said that it really influenced like being around them, his perception where he started to feel like, am I good enough? So, which is something I know a lot of our black folks and students start to feel at a very young age when we're put into situations that are not meant for us. While he was a student at the Bronx High School though, he became very active even then in organizing and he led a protest like against the white castle because they wasn't letting the black people in. And then he also started preaching at church and people were like, wow, you are a really powerful orator. He then took his talent, Lord have mercy, this, I'm keeping tally, he took his talent to BHU, Howard University, and he joined the newly formed Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC. While he was at Howard, by the way, Morgan, one of his professors was Toni Morrison, and he studied under and SNCC, Diane Nash. It was her leadership and vision that raised up SNCC and the Freedom Riders. He also became a major voting rights activist in Mississippi and Alabama, where he was traveling every summer while as a student at Howard University. And he was working with Ella Baker and Bob Moses, and of course, who Morgan so eloquently talked about, Fannie Lou Hamer. Morgan, his squad was deep, like a deep white cast of like black revolutionaries of all caliber all across the country. Yeah. Woo! Come on. A lot, a lot. So, so Morgan, many you people already... poured into him. That's so. It's so nice. And John Lewis. Okay. Don't forget John Lewis. But you get into it. I think. Come on. I <laughs> am getting to it. But no, so many poor, 
um, so many people poured into him was also actually one of my real reflections. I was thinking of like, wow, like there are so many boy girl geniuses who we spot out there, right? Like, and they're like 14, 15, 16, and some people just mentor them up and raise them up. And so, and he was one of those people. So after he graduated though, from Howard University, it was hot. It was hot down south. The freedom ride were going on. As you guys read in the email, which we're gonna get into in a second, there was an activist who was walking, right? Um, who was going to walk all the way to Mississippi, 200 miles, James Meredith. And Meredith ended up being shot. There was an organizing that was happening down there that was violent. It was happening in counties like Loudest County, where he ended up forming the Freedom or- Organization, where Morgan, they had like a record number of lynchings. So I'm just setting the stage for people so that you understand that it wasn't just the threat of danger. It was real danger that he was walking into and that all of these folks were walking into at a really, really young age. And he was physically, he was arrested more than 27 times. He was beaten brutally in jail where he was held for almost 49 days. He was beaten so brutally that he started singing while he was beaten, like saying, God is going to watch what you're doing for you. But they were not able to squash his spirit. It actually only radicalized him, Morgan, more and more and more. And yet, even as he was becoming radicalized through being arrested and being beaten, he still actually was standing firm around the Student Non-Binding Coordinating Committee's principles. He was standing firm as kind of like a mentor and as an apprentice to like Martin Luther King. But how do you stand strong, he kept saying, against this oppressive violence? And so he started to form in his own heart, which was being spoken about by Malcolm X and a lot of other kind of more progressive Black at the time that nonviolence in a country which Stokely Carmichael quote doesn't have a conscience is not going to work for black people. That was his stance. Sorry, I have to pause Morgan and take it in. I actually have promised myself I'm actually fired up as reading as as I'm talking and like thinking through all this stuff. I had to promise myself from this resistance stuff that I was gonna like not get angry. Because you're right, when you when I had called you about Bill Clinton and this is just me being going off of the facts for a minute. Stokely Carmichael is the people right now marching in the streets, Morgan. Stokely Carmichael is the people saying defund the police. And he is the people who, he is the man in the streets who people are saying, don't be too progressive. He's the person who's criticizing right now the Biden-Harris ticket. And people are saying, don't criticize them because we have to take what we can get. He was years ago telling us that if we continue to push in a society that is focused on capitalism, that free markets will never mean free people. And so this resurgence that we're having where everybody is asking, is this conversation too radical? And last night at the Republican National Convention, Donald Trump's son had the nerve to utter George Floyd's name out of his mouth, talking about we're going to end racism. Just know that Stokely Carmichael was like, White liberals, by the way, have tricked y'all into believing that in racism means to fall in line and assimilate into a middle class that does not value you. And his principles, I just feel so disappointed. I really do. That's, I'm, just, I'm still emotional. I'm disappointed because I'm just like, those principles were real and alive. And if we had carried in them on then, by the way, which people like Martin Luther King, John Lewis, they were more conservative. I'm like, where would we have been? I don't know. Like, I don't know because I know we have made progress, but I wish that his more radical agenda would have been more supported. Yeah, well, I mean, the truth of the matter is whether you're progressive or conservative, they killed all of them. <laughs> they were all assassinated. Yeah. So 
Well, except Chelsea Carmichael, who we're not going to get, which we will get into, because by the way, he did. Right. He ended up dying of prostate cancer, and he believed that the FBI and the American government gave him the cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he believed it. He it's believed interesting. That. I didn't tell you this that I found out about Wangari Matai. She made a public statement that HIV AIDS was government created. And oh my God, they came for her. She was the darling of the international community, but they came right. for her. And she was like, all I know is it didn't come from the monkeys. And she, was, she refused to answer any more questions yeah. about it. She was, and I was like, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Keep going, though. This is good. No, it's interesting. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's the moment of resistance, Morgan. And this is where it really started. Luckily, you already actually broke it down for folks. So he was down. He was down with the people. But then they went to that Democratic National Convention in 1964, Morgan, that you already talked about. And at that convention, people, they failed to recognize the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party as an official delegate of the state. And at that point, he was like, forget it forget it. This two-party system and this constantly begging for scrap thing is not working. So he chose to develop an independent Black political organization that would actually centralize Black power by organizing all of the folks who were like, we do not need white liberals to be a part of our movement. We can do this on our own. That was his, that was kind of like his stance. And he said that what the liberal really wants is to bring about change which will not in any way endanger his position. Of course, that was controversial. Martin Luther King is like, dude, I'm over here like trying to make gains. And you over there talk about the white liberals, even the Black Panther Party, where he eventually left Nick and, and became like the honorable chairman of the Black Panther Party, eventually split with him because they were like, you're too radical. He wasn't too radical, but he was somebody who really had a vision. His vision, Morgan, continued to keep him in the streets as an organizer. He went to Selma. And as you know, they were doing the final march. Even then, he broke off from the march. So they were going down Route 80. And he and a group of other SNC people who were participating in the march decided that they were going to do a grassroots campaign called Bloody Loudest County. And instead, they went and talked directly to the violent white citizens of the county. So always he was like, let's push this farther than just this demonstration and let's get in the, in the face of folks. Vanessa, when you were just talking about white liberals, it was a trip because I was thinking when we talked about Christmas addicts, I was just really, I was sad at the founding fathers who were then the radicals, right? Um, they were then right. the radicals, all of the people. I was mad that they put black bodies on the front lines because we were actually upset economically and we were struggling Christmas addicts. But I was mad when I, when I got off the phone yesterday because that's still happening. When we think about the movement for black lives, there's all these people who, you know, like these anarchists, all these people who have a very, very radical agenda. And that agenda is posited on black bodies standing in the gap for them physically. Do you understand what I mean? And that to me feels really, really reckless. And particularly in the, con in the context of COVID-19, that we were all out there knowing that we are dying disproportionately from this disease. And one of the things I forgot to share yesterday, but I think it's relevant and I want to, I want to read it right this second. Hold on. Vanessa, listen to this. I don't know if you read the Declaration of Independence recently, but this is what it says. Those same sons of liberty wrote this. The ones who got Chris's addicts murdered in the streets by right. yelling fire to the redcoats, they wrote this. When the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth 
the separate and equal station in which the laws of nature and of, of nature's God entitled them a decent aspect to the opinion of mankind require that they should declare the causes which impel them separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they have, they're endowed with, by their creator with certain un unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, government, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute a new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers such from as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transition cause, transient causes. And according to all experience have shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, uh, blah, 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 blah. Here we go. Here's the, here's the last part. The history of the injuries and usurpations all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let the facts be submitted. Hold on, hold on. This is a good part. I'm telling you. No, I'm in, I'm in uh, it. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is in their right and it is their duty to throw off those yokes of government and to provide new guards for their future security. So I'm saying these, these right. men were radical. They were radical. Right. They were like, throw off the British. This is the American Revolution. Get in the streets and burn all this down. And it was a black man who was killed first. You know what I mean? And I'm just saying right. like a little bit what he's saying about the liberal middle class positing their advancement on the rights of black people and on civil rights, it is a real trend. It is a real thing. I mean, Vanessa, you and I were just talking about this. Yeah. And thanks to every single person who's ever supported Girl Trek. But so often, people put Vanessa and I on stages, in front of panels, on conventions, and give us a, a fraction of the money so that we can then come up and talk about the pain of our people. And then all these other people who are in the same cohort get 10 times, 15 times the funding. And I'm saying that is actually emotional labor and or physical labor or all these things. And I'm just saying enough is enough. We want our fair share. That's all I'm saying. We want our fair share. So it's happening across the board in the streets and in the boardrooms. So sorry. Yeah. Keep going. So no, no, he's so right. He's, that's what I, and that's where I was disappointed when I was, that's what I'm saying. I, even though I was so inspired, I was just like, but God damn, you know what I'm saying? So long ago, he was explaining this to us and breaking it down. So you were right. And thank you for even just giving us that, that word in that context. So Morgan, Black Power. I actually did not know this. I knew who James Meredith was, by the way. I knew he was the first black man to attend the University of Mississippi. I knew that it was even in intentional that he had applied there. It like he was an activist. By the way, who is still alive today. He did not die. I want to say this. He's still alive today. And he's like a beautiful, like 80-something-year-old black man. And I saw a picture of him and I was just like, wow, I'm so I proud of him. I did not know that. Yes, he is alive. I was like, he is so 
stoic. And I felt so proud of the work we were doing, knowing that he is still living and breathing. So for, and for those who do not know, and why this story was so exciting to me, Morgan, Black Power started with a walking movement. I was like, oh, oh, girl, get on it. Well, I was like, how did I not connect? How did I not connect the dots? So James Meredith set out to walk from Memphis, Tennessee to Jackson, Mississippi with almost 220 miles. And he was calling it the March Against Fear. And he was walking to promote- Oh, we should voter- redo that march. Sorry. Oh we my God, I know. Yes, yes. That the March Against so Fear. Good. And it was in 1966, Morgan, which we, you know was one year after the Voting Rights Act was passed, but you know was still not being enforced in the way that it needed to be. So he was like, yeah, this ain't the, the fight hasn't stopped. So he went out to promote vote, voter registration and to protest against the ongoing discrimination and violence in Mississippi and throughout the South. On day two, Morgan, of this journey, y'all, how are we going to be nonviolent activists? I'm saying this man's protest act was to walk. This man's protest act was to walk 200 miles, an unarmed black man walking 200 miles in protest, which is what everybody says this country is founded on. It's what those two white people from St. Louis who were on the convention. Outlook, by the way, tune in, y'all. Tap in. Don't tap out. I know the messages in this country are challenging, but you need to get all the messages so that you can know what we're working against. So I watched the whole convention and the two protesters from St. Louis, they got their guns taken away from them. And they were like, yeah, we, you know, but we believe in nonviolent protests. Well, no, so did James Meredith. James Meredith believed in nonviolent protests. He was walking 220 miles, Morgan. And on the second day on a dirt road in Mississippi, a white terrorist, a gunman, shot him, shot him multiple times. But as the chairman, Fred Hampton, told us, you can kill the revolutionary or try to kill a revolutionary, but you do cannot kill the revolution. And so Martin Luther King, yes. And so it was Martin Luther King who came down along with Stokely Carmichael from SNCC, and it was CORE, and I cannot now think of the person who was running CORE at the time, Floyd, uh, Floyd McKissick. So... Martin Luther King from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Stokely Carmichael from the Student Nonbinding Coordinating Committee, and Floyd McKissick of the Congress of Racial Equality, which people call CORE, were like, no, the march against fear is going on, and it is going on in Meredith's name. So Carmichael, McKissick, and a lot of other marchers, of course, they were harassed, they were threatened, and they were eventually arrested, Morgan. And speaking at a rally of supporters in Greenwood, Mississippi, on June 16th, Stokely Carmichael, who had been released from jail that day, began leading the crowd in a chant of, we want Black power. We want Black power. And that was such, and it wasn't the first time that the Black power police have been used. Uh, Richard Wright had written about it in his book, and one other person I used it before, but this was the first time it became like the rallying cry of the people, which you know was a departure from the we shall overcome that people were singing in the streets. I do. Yeah. You know, it's I, what I just learned, Vanessa, is that him saying that was strategy, that it wasn't just emotion and that Smith had been trying to get Dr. King to pivot to use language like black power because it would really rally the young people. And, they and Dr. King at the radical. time, Morgan, so that people know what's planning the poor people's campaign. And that's when they were having yeah. the conversations. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 So in so, one of their meetings, it's, re- it's recorded in one of their meetings the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee said that they were going to start using the term Black Power. So when he said it, it was a revelation of a lot of work and thought around how we're going to market our resistance. 
It matters. It was. That stuff matters, you know. It matters. Yeah. But Dr. King, John Lewis, and other activists at the time, they really did try to backtrack from that march and from the We Want Black. Yeah. It was like, look, I saw this yes a couple of days ago on the news. There is a young black woman protester in like Portland, and you know how the right wing news arm is really painting like what's happening in cities across America that are run by Democrats, it's going for et cetera, et cetera. So this young black activist who was like a, a local activist for the movement of black lives, she was fired up more than, and let, I'm gonna guess she was like 18, 19. The news cameras are in her face, right? And she's like, she was saying some stuff that if you know Jewel Bush, our PR person would be like Vanessa Morgan. I know you really think that, but don't say that with the news in front of you. You know how after you say it, you kind of just be like, ooh, I don't know. But it was the truth. Like, seek truth and power. You know. So Martin Luther King and John Lewis, I think, was at the march like, I don't know. Like, we done just said some stuff. We done just said some stuff. And yeah. they publicly came out to say, because they really were integrationists. They were integrationists. Yeah. And, and the media and the movement against Black power, by the way, were hell bent on painting black power as segregationist, which they weren't. They weren't segregationists. Black yeah. power was not an anti-white movement. It wasn't an anti-white yeah. statement. It was a statement that said that we, and, and actually Stokely Carmichael brilliantly broke this down in an interview. He was like, you can't have integration until things are mutually exclusive. He was like, you can't have integration when one person is all the way up on the top of the hill and the other person's on the bottom of the hill. He was like, we could build up our economic power and our political power and our, you know, and our education power and we can come on the same footing and then we could decide that it would be mutually benefit for us to, but we, but there is no such thing if we're here and, and they're there. So he was like, the whole concept is so flawed. It's just so flawed. And he was like, I'm, what I'm saying is that we need to seek systems that uproot racism. And he was actually, I didn't know this, he studied, by the way, at Howard University under the professor who basically coined the term institutional racism. And so he was talking institutional racism so, way before. I can't, but we're going to find it. Um, we're going to find it um, and put it on Instagram. You know, so this is like way before these conversations that we are having today. He was like, the institution is what we have to break down. And that is the thing yeah. that started that people were upset about. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's no way we can be segregationists. We could be separatists, but segregation is institution. You know what I mean? So there's not even a way right. we could build separate institutions when we're under the foot of economic oppression the way we have been for 400 years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, I understand. So then, Morgan, after the call for We Want Black Power from Oakland to Newark across this country, it started to reverberate. It started to show up. Two years after he said that at the uh, Berlin Olympics, John Smith and the other guy had their black power fist in the air. And then, of course, it went down in April of 1968 when Martin Luther King was assassinated in Memphis. On the day that Martin Luther King was assassinated, Stokely Carmichael was here in Washington, D.C. I actually, this was beautiful. I didn't know that Stokely Carmichael's apartment was only two blocks from my actual apartment. So yesterday when I figured that out, I like walked over there and walked on the block. So he was here in Washington, D.C. on the night that uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. And for those of you who do not know, violent protests, I hate every text that refers to them as riots, by the way. When Martin Luther King is killed and he was the king of nonviolence, that we got to show up like, damn. So violent protests started to happen all across the country. And D.C., they, it was a protest that was like really serious. And people and the media blamed Stokely Carmichael. 
and they said that he incited riots and that he he had a press conference the next day at which he was like, yeah, this is not going to happen just in D.C. It's going to happen in D.C. and everywhere else unless things change, which, by the way, is not inciting violence. I don't think I think it's stating the obvious. Of, I actually heard um, was on the news one time and he was talking about he was making a distinction that I hadn't heard, but he was saying the protests are not violent. Their destruction to property, violence and destruction to property yeah. are two different things. Are two different and things. calling people, vi- yeah, and and destruction to property is a way to protest. So he kept correcting yeah. them when they were even saying violent protests. Um, I thought it was yeah. an interesting point. Yeah, yeah, and and will simply Carmichael's whole platform, by the way, which really evolved into a specifically anti-capitalism, pro-Afri- pro-pan-African movement, was like everything is about property in the United States and profit. And he was like, and America cannot be a country that tries to be the moral authority of the world. And in a really fiery speech at the University of Berkeley, which which I put into the email, he was like, this is a country of people who stole the land, enslaved the people. And he was like, the fact that we are trying to be the moral authority on things is absolutely absurd. And he was like, and the fact that we don't want to acknowledge that the entire country is built on a capitalist system that requires that the few labor for, that the many labor for the few, he was like, if we don't change that system, then how are we going to change anything else? So exactly what Duray is saying, because, but and to say that people care about property in this country, they value it more than they value black lives. And they, they always do, of have. Course. And they always have. No, of course. And they, and they yeah. always have since 1770 when the business owners were in the Sons of Liberty and called the, for the people to fire. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm right. saying they did not like the property damage of the mob that was out there protesting for their rights. It has not changed. It has not changed that this laboring class is like trying to eke out some existence of prosperity in this country. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. So what do you do? Yeah. So Morgan, of course, well, he did what you did. He moved, look, I got skipped to the end. He moved to Africa and was like, these people are tripping. And I mean that seriously. Like, he actually became weary. He became physically sick. The, the director of the FBI, of course, J. Edgar Hoover, instructed his team of agents to find evidence connecting him to the riots that were happening across the country after Martin Luther King's death. He was the subject to counter tell pro techniques. Huey P. Newton eventually, by the way, because he had a split with the Black Panthers, where he was like, look, Black Panther Party, we really do not need these liberals to do this work. But Huey P. Newton even came out and suggested that Carmichael was a CIA agent. That slander led him to break from the Panthers, and it led him, Morgan, to go to West Africa. He he went to Ghana first and then eventually went to Guinea. He changed his name to Kwame Ture in homage of, do not let me get this wrong. Say their names for me, Morgan. Kwame and Krumah. Come on. Kwame and Krumah. Yeah, the president. Kwame uh, and the, the, the first president yes. of Ghana, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And and I will get, there's another guy. Say Couture. Say thank you Kuture. so much. So as yeah. a homage to both of them, that's where the name um, Kwame Ture comes. It's a combination of those two names. So, and he lived in West Africa and traveled around the world and was close with them and just started to build a pan-African kind of movement where he was like, yeah, I tried this in the United States, but anything that is not based on Africans with a capital A, by the way, acknowledging our political and socioeconomic power is not going to work. So that's what happened. But part of it was a spiritual weariness a physical weariness that led him to say, I'm arguing with the SNC. I'm arguing with the Black Panther Party. I'm trying to tell folks what's up. I'm speaking truth to power, everybody acting great. I'm in the streets organizing. He he single-handedly, by the way, in Loudoun County, I want to say, 
he single-handedly raised the registered voters from like 60 people to like 3,000 people. So he was doing the work. He was not just a mouthpiece. And he eventually got weary. He got weary. He got tired. He got tired. Listen, y'all, don't get weary living in the revolution. No, Meredith got it right. He was like, James Meredith was like, I'm about to walk this 200 miles, get this press, bring the resources to my people. Then they tried to shoot him. And he was like, listen, I'm about to live, y'all. King called me from Seattle 
I mean, he's an actor in the series who I, you guys have maybe heard, heard me talk about. And we were just talking about like a bunch of stuff and like, you know, work. And I was just like, because how are we as young, like young activists defining it? Is it like build our own communities like he's trying to do in Seattle with Africa Town? Is it like build economic power within this system or structure? Like what is black power for you? It means the ability to define myself for myself. Yeah. And I actually believe we need less resources to do that than we believe. I think part of our disenfranchisement is this bill of sale that we need to own all these kinds of luxuries that actually are not even aligned with our values half the time. And I think if we were able to really imagine a life of freedom for ourselves, I mean, really take the time to imagine it in vivid details. I actually think a lot of us have what we need to achieve it. Not all of us, because some of us are literally really struggling. But I also believe that some of us not only have the ability to achieve it, but to bring our cousin along, to bring our sister along, our goddaughter along. I really do. But I think that we, you know, remember we were at um, that conference and they were talking about how much money, it was like, I don't know how many trillion dollars that black people spend on luxuries. And this is not a call out. This is not even a shame. This is just to say we have collective economics that are powerful, that are equivalent to large nations. And so it really is a matter of us. I believe black power is economic. I believe black power can be political if we decide we want to sit at the table in. Um, I believe that black power is a connection to land rights. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe black power is, is cultural identity. And so yeah. I believe that each one of us has the ability to define that for ourselves outside of the context of cooperative or uh, collective organizing. Because I think yeah. sometimes we feel like we can't be powerful alone. And I, I'm here to tell you that I'm working on it so hard on my own, trying to source my power um, in, my, in my own body in my own family. Uh, and I think that we all have the ability to do that, make that choice to be powerful every day. So that's, that's how I look at it. Yes, I think that there are institutional barriers. Yes, I think there are just absolutely evil policies out there, like the prison industrial complex that we must dismantle immediately. But I think our the American society is built on labor, like Kwame Ture said. I think it's built on the labor and exploitation of the underclass. So yeah. I think if we, you know, we might have to pull out of that system economically and divest so that we can demand the end of the imprisonment of black men and women. I love at, that. At the yeah. For me, I was like, it is all of those things you said. And what mostly I think it needs to be right now is a meditation and a mindset. Because I, you know, I know like in this year of elections where we, you know, we have a ticket there's a ticket out there that's Trump and Pence, and then there's Biden and Harris. And I think neither one of those tickets represents like the ceiling for where we can go. So we still need, regardless of the political landscape, as individuals, as people, we need to have a radical mindset. We at least have to understand where we are on the field, and we can't settle for the 50-yard line. So you know what I'm saying? I can hear Jewel saying that girls have a nonprofit organization. We do not endorse any candidates. I'm talking about both of them. That's what I'm saying. No, I know what you're saying. We don't don't deny or endorse. Yes, and I'm saying both of those can't, neither one of those tickets are going to get us anywhere past the 20 or 30 yard line. And I'm saying, so for me, Black Power is a mindset to understand the bigger field. It is a mindset of power that says we can ask for everything we want. 
It is the mindset of power yeah. that says we don't have to just accept a little bit on the margins because we might ruffle the feathers of somebody who might. No, it is. A, and that was the yeah. disappointment of what I was saying of Stokely Carmichael's time that he was trying to tell us then. Yeah. Right yeah. now, in the midst of this organizing, in the midst of this negotiation, would be the time for us to actually yeah. ask for the most, not the least. So it has to be a Well, it, it also reminds me of, I was listening again to A. Philip Randolph's speech this morning. Don't ask me why, Vanessa, but I just was. Listen, and I and he was talking. They were saying that he was better than anybody at leveraging the moment when the masses were out, saying, "Okay, this is an asset. What do we need to demand?" You understand what I mean? Like collectively, like what are the things? And so he was like, "Listen, desegregate the military now and give us a million federal jobs now, or the masses will be at your doorstep." And he didn't have no organization, no, no, you know, he was just like talking to the press. Right. And I'm just saying, sometimes we also, Black Power, is knowing our, knowing our actual power and leveraging it, knowing our actual assets. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and leveraging it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we yeah, have enormous people power and cultural influence. We have just a normal, uh, enormous amount of influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. yeah. Don't give our power away, people. Don't give our power away. Claim it and own it. But I love this conversation. I, I'm so glad we got to talk about Stokely. We're in, is Friday our last day, Monday? That's going to be 21 days? Yes. Uh, t- Monday is, is day 21. This is our final week. And we're going to bring it all home. I hope that you've been walking. Please, please, please try and catch up this week. We want to do a victory lap with you on Monday. And for those of you, there's a lot of people who just download this on iTunes or Spotify and don't know that there's actually an accompanying email. If that is you and somebody sent you the the podcast, make sure that you go to blackhistorybootcamp.com and sign up officially so that you, in the morning, in your inbox, get kind of the call to action and get the the article and the photo and all that thing, all that stuff, the playlist. Yeah, that's a good reminder. Thank you. We're going to go out um, with a short clip of Stokely Carmichael telling these folks what, and, that, and that funny debate around is it African-American or black? And we're going to hear from them talking on the clip um, to close us out. Uh, Mr. Ture, a final comment on that point. The error of the thinking here is that most people think that Africans in America came here just like other immigrant groups did. All other immigrants came to America expecting a better way of life. We started in hell, which was a slave ship, and we're still in hell. This incorrect assumption makes it appear as if we've made a contribution with our culture. Our culture has been trampled upon, not the others. Any contribution we've made to America is the test of the strength of our culture in spite of this oppression. We are Africans, and that's exactly where we're going. Is that going to... Is the term, in your view, is that where you end it? Is that's that where, where it stops? Where the, the, content, the content was African. The label has been changed to confuse us. If we came as Africans, how do we end up as Americans? How do we well, end up as, I, you know, let, let, uh, I would beg to differ you that my, my ancestors came here in a slave boat. They didn't. They came from the island of Jamaica, and they came on their own because they thought it was a better place well, to be came, in Jamaica. They came to Jamaica. They came as slaves to Jamaica. Yeah, I was born in well, Trinidad. That's where the slaves should drop Jamaica, them. We're all Jamaica, slaves. Right. We're all right. slaves. We can't solve this one. Jamaica. <laughs> did you decide to drop in Jamaica? The white man dropped you in Jamaica and brought you to Mississippi. Right. So you don't define yourself by the enemy? No, I define myself as the fighting places where I'm at. Right. Where I used to be, or where I thought so I was. You were where the hell, where am I? So if you're fighting no, no. on the slave ships, we fought on the slave ships. We fought on the slave ships. Did you call yourself right. a water? And you're still fighting in 1989, right here in New York City. Until I, Africa is free, we won't be free. 